Amen. Thank you, Jan. Well, welcome to each one of you. Again, I want to say welcome to those of you in the sanctuary and those of you joining us online. I do pray that you had a wonderful Christmas. And even though it's not like Christmas that we're, we've been used to in years past because of what's going on, it doesn't change that God is still worthy to be worshipped, that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, so that doesn't change. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2? Matthew chapter 2, and we'll read the first 12 verses. And if you are able to, would you stand with me as we read God's word? Matthew chapter 2, starting from verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Then they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus, in coming to earth in the form of a baby, growing up as a man and teaching and healing and instilling so much that we have learned today. We thank you, Lord, for the many gifts that you have given us. And we pray for your blessings upon us and, and that you would help to fill us with your wisdom, your knowledge and understanding of your word. And God, we pray that today you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would speak to your people, oh God, that you would help us to learn and to be obedient as we respond to the leading of your spirit. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod. And this was a dangerous time for him to be born 
because Herod was a very jealous king. And in fact, he didn't want anyone or anything to get in his way to threaten his rule and his reign on the throne. But the wise men came seeking this child that was born because a star had appeared to them in the sky. Now, in some translations, these wise men are referred to as magi. But they were men from eastern lands. They traveled a long way to Israel simply because this particular star had appeared in the sky. And this was an indication to them that the king of the Jews had been born, the Messiah, the one who had been prophesied about many years ago. And they came with the intention of worshiping him. One author wrote, I wonder what had been different had the wise men been wise women, like Sister Althea, a wise woman, right? They would have asked for directions before they arrived in Jerusalem. They would have arrived on time and helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable and brought something practical for the family, like a casserole, diapers, and baby wipes. Things probably would have been a bit different if they were wise women, right? But nonetheless, the story tells us that they were wise men who came. So these men came to Jesus to worship him. Now, unfortunately, there's really not much that is known about these wise men in scripture. There's not much that we're told about them. You see, we don't know exactly where they came from, what they did, what countries they were from. We don't even actually know how many of them there were. Many people assume that there were three wise men who came because three gifts were given to Jesus, but the scripture doesn't actually tell us how many of them there were. So we don't even really know that. Not much is told about them, but the fact that they are described as being from the east may indicate that they perhaps were from Persia, a region in which astrology and astronomy were very important because we know that they followed the stars, and and so that may be where they were from. Yet no one knows today exactly where they were from. And here's the thing. It doesn't really matter because when we come and worship the Lord, he knows us even if no one else does. When we come to worship God, God knows who we are. He knows every single thing about us. And it doesn't matter if we're not famous or no one else knows us because God knows who we are. Have you ever been in a large crowd and just felt lost? right? There's nothing that makes you stand out, really. You're just another person in that crowd, and you can almost feel like a number, right? Feeling lost as if you're just another person, but there's nothing that stands out about you. You see, even in the midst of a crowd, even in the midst of all the people in this world, God knows who you are. God knows you. The songwriter tells us, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. 
You see, God knows every tear that you've ever shed. He knows every prayer that you've ever prayed. He knows every heartbreak that you've ever gone through. He knows every sorrow and trial that you've ever faced. He knows your fears and your joys. He knows everything about you. He loves you for who you are. He sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. He sees the things that nobody else knows. He sees the things that we don't even understand about ourselves. God is our creator, and he knows us. He knows us so well. God loves us. You know, if you use social media, you know there are people on, you know, YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, and they have, like, millions of followers, right? And these people on uh, social media, they're influencers for certain things. So, you know, things like fitness or cleaning products, makeup and hair tutorials and, and all of these things. And so they often get paid promotions to promote and influence their products for, for companies. And sometimes I look at that and I say, wow, you know, that person has millions of followers. They have so much influence over the people who are following them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could influence the world for Jesus? Where we could promote Jesus where we could tell the world about someone who can change us and transform us, about someone who can come and save our souls and give meaning and purpose to our life. Now, understand, I'm not saying that those things don't matter, the, the things that people promote, but when we talk about having influence, how much more does our world need Jesus Let's be people who influence the world for Jesus so that it doesn't matter if people know me or they know you because that doesn't matter, but they need to know Jesus. Let us promote him and let us understand that he knows us even if no one else does. You see, the wise men's names weren't written in any of the gospels. They weren't known, they weren't recorded, and today no one knows who they are. Yet it's okay because God knows who they are. We don't need to push ourselves in order to be recognized or acknowledged. We don't need to make ourselves known in order to feel better or to feel like we're doing something. You see, God sees everything that we do up front and behind the scenes. He sees what we do, and he also sees the motive in which we do it behind it. And he will bless us according to it. And so if we're only doing things for other people to see, if we're only doing things to be recognized or to be acknowledged, then we're doing it with the wrong spirit. We're doing it with the wrong motive. We should be doing it because we want to truly worship God. Because it's not about me and it's not about you. But it's all about him. And it's all about bringing honor and glory to him. You know, sometimes in worship, we can get so caught up in what's going on around us. You know what I mean? You know, you know we're, we're so caught up in who's around us and what they're doing, right? And it can cause us to be more concerned about what's happening around us than worshiping God. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you get caught up with who's around, what they're doing, maybe even what they're wearing, 
Maybe even, you know, if their hands are lifted, if they're moving, if they're sitting or standing, that we get focused on the wrong thing that we forget to worship God because that's what we're here to do. Our aim and what we should strive to do is to worship God, to get his attention, not to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to the one who created us, to the one who matters. And so don't get so caught up in what's going on around you, but worship God and may our worship truly be acceptable in his sight. The songwriter says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And when we do that, the things of this world will start to fade away. Where we will not be so concerned with what's going on, who's doing what, who's wearing what. But we will worship God the way that he wants to be worshipped. Amen? When the wise men saw the star appear in the sky, they started to prepare for their journey. They started to prepare in order to set out to find the Christ child. It's important for us to understand that the wise men didn't appear and didn't show up the night that Jesus was born. They didn't even show up the next day or the week after. You see, when they saw the star appear in the sky, it took time for them to plan, to prepare, to get ready for their journey, and to set out in order to follow the star to find this child who was born. From the time the star appeared to the time that they actually arrived to Jesus, it may have been several months, and Bible scholars say it could have even been almost two years before they found Jesus. Yet they considered it a privilege to be able to go. When we come and worship the Lord, consider it a privilege because of who he is. When we come and worship God, consider it a privilege to be able to worship God, come into his presence, pray before his throne, worship with other believers. It is truly a privilege. The simple truth is that there are times in our life when serving God and worshiping God and doing things for God may start to feel like a duty or obligation, right? Something that we have to do because we committed to doing it or something that we have to do because we're in charge of it or we, we need to do this. But we should look upon giving, worshiping, and serving God as a privilege, because of who he is. It is a privilege. And don't get me wrong, there are times where it can become very difficult. There are times where it may not necessarily be easy, but it is worth it. It is worth it. You see, There is time where we have to put in. There is sacrifice that we have to give. There is effort that we have to make. It costs us money and preparation, commitment, and there's sometimes persecution and heartache that comes with serving God, but it is worth doing. 
It's so important for us not to lose sight of the fact that we get the privilege of worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That we get the privilege of coming before God's throne. You see, we have access to God. He has given us full access 24-7. He comes to us and he wants to have that relationship with us. God is always available. He is always on our side. He wants to meet with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to use us. That, my friends, is a privilege. That is a privilege that we have. Gathering together as the church to worship is a privilege. Continuing to carry out your ministry, even during a pandemic, is a privilege. Giving to the Lord is a privilege. You see, we have the privilege. The wise men traveled thousands of miles. They traveled so far to come and to meet and to worship the king of the Jews. That meant, as I said, that they were traveling for months, maybe even years. The journey was not an easy one. It was very tiring. It was dangerous. It was exhausting. They endured a lot. They were exposed to the elements, and yet they continued their journey. And there are times I ask myself and wonder, did the wise men on their journey ever say, is it worth it? Is this even worth it? You know, should we just continue going or should we just turn back now? Should we continue on our journey or, or should we just stop and, you know, stay where we are, go back? Is the journey worth it? Notice when they arrived, the wise men, it's not indicated that they ever said, you know, we were so tired, we've traveled for months, maybe even years, we're exhausted. They didn't complain about how hot they were or how tired they were. They didn't complain about the fact that they walked so far or their feet were hurting. They didn't complain about the fact that they hadn't had a bed to sleep in or a proper meal in so long. They did not complain. You know what they said? They said, where? is the newborn king of the Jews. We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. The wise men considered it a privilege to worship the newborn king. They didn't go with the intention of getting something from Jesus. They went with the intention of worshiping the one who was born king. When they finally found them, scripture tells us that they were filled with joy. They worshiped him and presented their gifts to him. Now, this is sort of a, a different approach to what many people think today. You know, the idea for many is that God needs to come and find us, right? God needs to come and, and find us and explain himself, reveal himself, prove to us who he is, and give us gifts. But the wise men teach us that we need to seek out God because God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, 
you will receive. You see, there is a responsibility on our part that we play. That doesn't mean that God won't come and seek us out, don't get me wrong, but there is a responsibility for us. And when we come with that mentality and that attitude that it is a privilege for us to be able to seek out God, we come expecting nothing. We come just bringing who we are before God. Those who seek God find him and worship him truly for who he is. Jesus was probably almost two years old by the time the wise men found him. It took a long time for the wise men to get to Jesus, but they persevered and they didn't give up. In your own life, you may be thinking it's taking a long time for certain things to happen. It's taking a long time, longer than I thought, longer than I expected, longer than I even wanted, but don't give up. Maybe it's been taking a long time for your prayer to be answered. Maybe it's been a long time for you to struggle and, and not yet experience the victory over that bad habit. Maybe it's taking you a long time to find a husband or a wife or to get pregnant. Maybe it's been a long time that you've been waiting on God's promises or even waiting to hear from God. Maybe it's taking a long time for you to experience that breakthrough in your life. Don't give up persevere, press on. You see, if the wise men had turned back and said, you know what, forget it, it's not worth it, they would have never gotten to Jesus to be able to worship him and to find him. Don't give up. Persevere, press on. Even if it seems like it's taking too long, God is always on time. His watch is set differently to ours. And he is always on time. Consider it a privilege. You know, when I think about so many of you and the different things that you have gone through, I rejoice to know that despite many things that you have gone through, you persevere. You haven't given up. You continue to press on and worship God. May we look at coming before God and worshiping him a privilege. Many of us don't use that privilege to our full advantage of being able to communicate with God on a daily basis. In the Old Testament, the way to communicate was, with God was through the priests, through the prophets. Today, God has given us Jesus as our intercessor. So we have direct access to him. Pray without ceasing. We have that opportunity my heart is so blessed when I see someone like Sister Eunice Campbell who takes the bus from lands from Eastern afar, where she comes from so far. God bless you, Sister Eunice. God bless you for those of you who traveled so far to worship the King of Kings. Consider it a privilege. When the wise men came, they didn't come empty-handed. They didn't come empty-handed. In fact, they presented Jesus with three distinct gifts that are very important and significant. They presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were precious and expensive gifts, but yet they knew that this king would be deserving and worthy of all of these gifts. 
You see, when we come and worship the Lord, we need to give him the worship he deserves. Not just coming before him, but giving him what he deserves. The wise men gave these expensive gifts as worthy acknowledgments for a future king. Bible scholars suggest that in these gifts are seen symbols of Christ's identity and what he would accomplish. Gold was a gift for royalty. Frankincense was a gift for deity. And myrrh was a spice used to anoint a body for burial. The wise men brought gifts and worshipped the king the way he deserved to be worshipped. This is the true essence of what worship is. Honoring Christ for who he is and being willing to give him what is valuable to us. You see, God desires that when we come before him, that we give him a sacrifice, something that is of worth to him. That, that's why in, in certain parts of scripture, we see that it cost people something in order to make a sacrifice. And if it doesn't cost something, then it's truly not a sacrifice that is worth giving. God desires something of value. Are we giving God the very best of ourselves? Are we giving him what he deserves? That means giving him the best. Giving him what he deserves could mean giving him the best time of our day. Setting aside a specific time in our day to spend with him. Giving him what he deserves could be giving him our undivided, uninterrupted attention. Have you ever talked to someone and, and you're, you know, talking about something really serious? I'm not just saying, you know, saying hi and small talk, but you're talking to someone about something serious and they're just busy looking around and, you know, checking their phone. You feel like it's not important, right? They're not taking it as seriously or as important as it should be because what you're trying to tell them is important. It deserves their undivided, uninterrupted attention. You see, God wants our undivided, uninterrupted attention. And that's why we need to have that quiet time with God where we turn off the TV, where we don't answer our phones, where we set aside that time alone to spend with God so that we can hear from him. Giving God what he deserves, meaning means taking out our tithe before even worrying about anything else. It means setting aside the tithe that he deserves. It means giving him priority in our lives over everything else. It means giving him all the honor, glory, and praise that we have to give. God is so deserving of so much more than we have to give. There's not anything that we can give God that he doesn't already have. You see, we can't give God this or, or that because he created it. It's his, right? We can't give God this. He can't give God that because he created it. He's the one who made it. You know, the only thing that we truly have to give God that is of value to him is ourselves. Amen. It is ourselves. That's what he wants you see, material things don't mean anything to God because God is not material. He's spirit. That's why he says, I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. 
because he's spirit and that's how we worship God. God wants us to worship him with all that we are, heart, soul, body, everything that we are. In the gospel, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that you are. You know why? Because that's all we have to give. That's the only thing that's of value that God wants that is worthy of giving to him because that is what he wants. Everything else belongs to him. Give God the worship that he deserves. When we come before God to worship him, give him the worship that he deserves. Give him the time, the attention, the effort, all of those things that he alone is worthy of. After finding Jesus and worshiping him, the wise men were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod. In fact, they were not to go back through Jerusalem as they intended. You see, they changed their plans. They changed their direction. They changed their minds from what they had planned to do and intended to do to something else after finding Jesus. When we come and worship the Lord, allow it to change you. Allow it to change you. When they encountered the living Christ, even as a baby, they were changed. They were changed from who they were. They were changed in their, their mind and their thinking. God spoke to them and it changed the course of what they had set out to do. You see, finding Jesus may mean that your life must take a different direction. That the direction that we are, are going in needs to change. That's what repentance truly means. It literally means changing direction. When we find Jesus and we encounter him, we cannot remain the same, but God wants us to be changed as we are obedient to his word. We cannot truly experience the presence of God and have an encounter with him without being changed. It's just not possible. It's not possible for us to truly experience God in all of his glory for who he is and not let it affect us and change us. It's just not possible. And you know the crazy thing is that there can be people who go to church all their life and hear about Jesus, but yet never meet him for themselves. Think about that. There can be people who go to church their whole life and hear and learn about Jesus, but they've never met him for themselves. Have you met Jesus for yourself? Have you experienced who he truly is? Have you had an encounter with him? Have you met him and allowed him to truly change you and transform you? That's what God desires, for us to meet with him for us to connect with him and for us to be changed by him. My prayer for you is that you would experience God this year, this new coming year, in a way that you never have before. That you would hear from God, that you would learn more about God, that your minds and hearts would be open to how he's working in your life and that you would truly be changed by him. 
May you allow the Holy Spirit to change and to transform you into the person God desires you to be. When we come before Almighty God, our aim should be to come and worship. To come and worship him because he is worthy of it all. When we come and worship the Lord, he knows us even if no one else does. When we come and worship the Lord, consider it a privilege because of who he is. When we come and worship the Lord, give him the worship that he deserves. And when we come and worship the Lord, allow it to change you. It is a privilege. It is an honor when we think about the fact that we can worship, that we can call upon the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand, the one who spoke creation into being, the one who has command over nature, over elements, over everything that there is, was, and forever will be. He wants us to worship him, and he calls us friend, and he loves us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for the amazing privilege that it is to be able to worship you. And Lord, we know and we understand that it may not always be easy, that it may be tiring and discouraging, that it may be difficult, and, and, and sometimes we may not even feel like it. But we pray that in those moments you would remind us of the privilege that is ours to worship God Almighty, the King of Kings. We pray, Father, that you would help us to remember truly who you are, to come and seek you not for what we can get from you, but simply because you are deserving and you are worthy of everything that we have to give. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to know that it doesn't matter who we are, where we've come from, how well we're known, because we know that we are known by you, the one who created us. And so, Father, help us to be changed by your presence. Help us to meet with you and to be transformed into the people that you desire us to be. And we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for this Christmas season, for sending your son Jesus to us so that truly we would understand you, O oh God, and be able to learn how to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you.